there. Welcome back to this human life podcast slash audiobook thing. <laughs> I'm Melissa Sonova. Um, we are progressively reading through uh, my book, This Human, and uh, we're up to chapter seven, which is the final chapter, and it's all about delivery. And in the final, the, the last episode, we left it at talking about commitment to people and thinking about how there are so many different people that we're designing for. And we often think about our design in the context of the, the end user, the person who's going to be, you know, the customer or, or the client or the citizen. And there's a whole string of other people that we need to be designing for as well, who are going to be working together to make this thing happen, whether it's a service or a strategy or a new product. And we were just embarking on that exploration around commitment to people. So we're going to continue where we left off on page uh, 185. And yeah, for those of you who have the book, that's great. You can either read along or not. And if you don't have the book, that's fine too. Hopefully what you hear and what the, the topics that we cover are going to be useful anyway. All right, so let's dive in. Commitment to the user. I dislike the term user but it can be useful to distinguish between the different people you work with in a project. The user is the person who receives your work and then does something with it. Remember who you are actually designing for. Make their job as easy as possible. Delivering work that is hard to decipher, not written in their language, or is in an awkward format has a significantly negative impact on their perception of it. Your research, concepts and design can be brilliant, but if what you deliver is not usable, it doesn't really matter. Human-centered design isn't just focused on the end customer. It is focused on everyone that your work will be, hopefully, influencing. Consider all of them. So this is referring to all of the people in the chain that go from, you know, the outputs of the design process that you might be involved in to something changing in the world. <laughs> and as human-centered designers, we have access to knowledge and skills and tools and mindsets that can help us design for and with people. And we ought to also think about the people within our organization that are going to need to do something differently to make our idea or our design a reality and design for them too. So that's essentially what that's talking about. Commitment to the employees. This is particularly important in service design. Your design might be brilliant, answering all the needs and desires of the customers, but if it is impossible for the organization to deliver, it won't make it. It is essential that you are committed to the employees who will be selling, delivering, maintaining and supporting the service you've designed. It ensures your design is aligned with the organisation and stands a chance of success. During delivery, it is critical that you test your service design with the people who will be responsible for enacting it. Remember you are designing for them too. So this was a really important lesson that we learnt early on in the life of Huddle where we were working with a client who was designing a new way of bringing products to market and the organisation within which we were working had been deliberately designed to be quite nimble 
and could get through work really, really quickly. And we were able to significantly decrease the product design and development phase. But what we didn't do well enough is design for the implementation and management phase of that service. So the engineers who are the ones who needed to be implementing this service in the field and those who needed to maintain it in the field weren't considered well enough in upfront in the design. So what we were doing was designing something that met customers' needs, but it was really, really difficult for the organisation to actually deliver. And of course, then we needed to go do that work. So it's really important to have a very clear understanding of who all the people are in the chain that's ultimately going to reach the customer and make sure that we're considering them in the design as well. Commitment to the customer. And of course, it is essential that your design is connected with the insights about who the customer is, what their need is, and how you can help them fulfill those needs. It is easy to focus intently on the customer as the main focus of your design. This is, of course, the case. It is crucial to remember who will be receiving the output of all of the collective work directly, and they are your customer, and so you need to design for them too. What are their needs, wants and desires and how might your work address those? So this is the, this is the orientation that we quite naturally hold as human-centred designers. And the point of this chapter is all about delivery and setting you up to be able to deliver really strongly with impact. And most of that is about applying your skills as a human-centred designer to absolutely everything that you do. All right, commitment to impact. The urge to focus on the details of the object of design as you deliver is strong. You can easily lose touch with the context and impact your designs are ultimately in service of. An easy way to reconnect with your desired impact is to pull out the system diagram you created in Chapter 2 when you were envisioning the possible outcomes of your work. The system diagram helps you connect with your big thinking and the impact scenarios help you connect with your original epic how might we questions, the context of your inquiry and the intended outcome. Testing your refined designs against these ensures you keep an impact dialogue alive in your mind as you tend to the details of delivery. I'm sure you've experienced the the focus becomes very granular and detailed and making sure that you know all of the pieces of information are coming together to be able to de- deliver the end product you know to the person who you're working um, with we can get bogged down in the details and actually forget why we were doing it in the first place you know that's why early on in this book I talk about all the different levels at which design is active at, you know using systems v as the as the uh, framework to be able to do that and um, being able to hold that context in your mind throughout the design process is really helpful for so many different reasons. It's helpful in critique, for example, so that you can be putting changes in the broader context and be able to make really well-informed priority calls on what needs to change and what perhaps can stay the same. But all the way through to delivery where it can get a little bit grindy at this point and being able to remember the broader context of your work and the potential impact of your work can be a source of you know, endless motivation and energy. So it's really useful practice. Commitment to quality. 
It takes a commitment to every last detail to deliver a design of high quality and integrity that will stand the test of time and have the impact you intended. You have combined insight with inspiration, imagination and perspiration to create this new reality. You might as well make it brilliant. This is not the time to shy away from reviews and critiques, especially if they come from the people who you are designing ultimately for. Even when you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, when time is creeping up on you, when deadlines are looming, do not relax, lean in, work harder towards the finish line and push further with every iteration. Commit yourself fully to ensuring your creation will have a lasting impact. Now, even in the few years that this book has been out, my practice has changed somewhat (laughs) around delivery. And what I try and do actually is relax a lot so that my attention to detail and my presence around the work is actually heightened. Um, I used to push really hard to the finish line, which is what this is sort of talking about. And now I find that if I arrange myself accordingly and I actually... Um, in a more relaxed state then my attention to detail is actually heightened so I do things slightly differently now but the take-home message there is basically to you know give it give it your all all the way to the end basically whatever that looks like okay on page 187 there's an exercise 7.2 7.2 called completing cycles and this is really you know talking to the commitment and grit and delivery focus that makes human-centered designers really effective you know naturally we gravitate towards different parts of the of the design process I guess you know some people love research and are quite happy to stay in research you know following all of the what is it the rabbit holes and learning more and more and more and they could quite happily stay there forever and then there are some people who absolutely love the bit where they get to start creating concepts and are naturally divergent thinkers and they can stay in that space forever just keep coming up with ideas more and more ideas and then there are people who just want to get stuff done you know they're the convergent naturally convergent thinkers that are solutions oriented and and just want to build stuff and get stuff out there and move on to the next thing and when you're at delivery mode and you want to make sure that this thing that you've spent the last X amount of time learning about and conceiving and and designing and testing and iterating actually makes it out in the world, completing cycles of tasks becomes really important. And this is what I'm uh, referring to here. When your design starts to become concrete, other people start interacting with it. This is mostly good, but it can also be distracting. Your work practice needs to include integrity in completion. Everything you do during this phase of design needs to be done to completion. If a change has to be made, make it completely. A half-hearted effort won't do the trick. If you promise to complete a task by a certain time, do it. Building integrity with your word builds your own confidence that your work will survive the iterations and testing. And the other thing that I've found is the um, higher the integrity within which you work, the higher the integrity of your design. And we're going to talk about how I conceive of integrity in design a little bit later on in this chapter, which is really informed by the time that I spent at Ford, where we spoke a lot about what a a well-resolved design was and what it looked like. So we'll talk about that. 
Um, another exercise on this page, 187, exercise 7.3, is about perfectionism. As you learn more about your work and how it can be improved, you might become more and more obsessed with the detail. This is natural and appropriate, but it can trigger perfectionism in a practitioner who has high expectations of themselves. Having high standards is great, especially in meaningful design where integrity and clarity of values and purpose are so important. However, perfectionism can also be a thorn in your side. It can prevent you from delivering on time or actually delivering anything at all. Perfectionism can be a blessing and a curse. Be careful of its shadow side. It's important to learn how to let your design go. If you are putting lots of effort into small changes that only result in minor improvements, it's time to stop and say, we're done. It's a really fine line actually knowing when the work is finished and when there's just that little bit more that you need to do to just lift it to the next level of quality. And this is the, the what is it, the cycles of diminishing returns can set in, especially if you have a tendency to a, towards trying to create things that are perfect every time. And this is when you can really lean on your teammates who have been involved in the project, either from a critique perspective or from a you know any perspective, research, design, con- concepting, testing, iterations, um, to be able to help provide the perspective around how far you've come and whether or not where you're at actually meets the uh, requirements of the work, which is ultimately the the thing that we need to measure our work by. Okay, well, we get to talk about a well-resolved design in this um, episode, which is cool. Again, so I, how do I talk about this? So I cut my teeth in design, I guess, working as an engineer at at Ford, and I was responsible for all of the electronic modules that had a user interface, basically. So you can think about, you know, the audio system, the, you know, the, I'm just trying not to use all of the technical terms, the air conditioning system, you know, heating, cooling, um, I worked with the very closely with the cluster engineer to design, you know, the dials and the legibility of the numbers and the lighting and, and most importantly, the sort of the information center, which was the central display that had all the information around everything about Dakar in there and the design of that from a sort of a human centered perspective from a human factors lens. Um, and it was really exciting role because design and the human um, is often the you know the cheese on the pizza like it's the thing that connects every other module in the car and which is the driver and the passenger experience so I got to spend a lot of time in the design studio working with the industrial designers in there um, both the you know the more conceptual designers and also the you know the the designers who are working directly with the engineers on feasibility studies and getting the design to the tolerances that it needed to meet to be able to pass the build levels um, and it was in those conversations that we would be talking about what a well-resolved design was and of course in the work that we do in human-centered design in service design and strategic design it's a little bit different um, I guess than product design but a lot of what I've written in the book has been informed by that experience that was a really long way long intro into this section anyway there you go here we are page 188 well-resolved design a well-resolved design is always a high quality design 
I learned this when I worked as a design engineer at Ford, working closely with the industrial designers who were creating interiors for the next version of the Falcon. Although designing a car is very different to designing a human-centered organization, for example, that experience still informs what I look for in good design. And there are four questions to ask about your work to be able to test its resolvedness, if that's a word. Number one, is it contextual? Does your design have situational awareness built in? Is it aware of the context within which it must operate? Two, is it connected? Does the design exist in a vacuum? Or is it considerate of all of the connections, interfaces and alignments it needs to make? Is it clear? Are all questions answered? Is the intention obvious? And number four, is it complete? Is there anything left undone? Has everything we said we were going to do been done to the highest possible level? Tip, a well-resolved design is also a high-quality one. Ensuring these attributes thought through and represented in your design will help create something of substance and impact. So exercise 7.4, let's see. Okay, it just goes into a little bit more detail with some questions that you can use to interrogate your own design. So this is like a, it's almost like a critique framework for a well-resolved design. So page 188. Okay, attributes of a well-resolved design. Contextual. Is your design situationally aware? Is it relevant to the context of its existence? Have you considered its unique attributes and subtleties? Connected. Have you designed for all relevant relationships? Have you considered the transitions, time, space, technology process? Have you considered the intersections and the gaps? This is particularly important when we're thinking about designing end-to-end service experiences, for example. I always say that the magic occurs between the gaps of things. Clear. Is the intention of the design clear? Does it avoid unanswered questions and varied interpretations? Is it explicit without assumed knowledge? So this is all around being you know, being able to design within the known mental models that are going to be applied to whatever it is that you're designing. So for example, kids are growing up in the current era with a mental model around screens being all about touch. So if you were to design something that didn't have a touch screen, you're not working with the current mental models that exist around that around that device in this example. Complete. Is your design complete down to the last detail? Can it be interrogated for usability, usefulness and desirability and rate strongly? Does it thoroughly answer the original inquiry with integrity? And that's the really important one because when we do go down those rabbit holes and we do get excited about the new information and the new things that we find, we can lose our way. We can lose our connection to the context and the real reason why we were designing in the first place. So that one's a really important one. So I will wrap up there. We are finishing on page 188. A lot of the a lot of the concepts around this episode has sort of circled around this notion of commitment, committing to the user, committing to all of the people in the chain between you as a designer and the person at the end of the chain who's ultimately going to receive the thing that you've designed and to make sure that you're designing for each and every person and that you're considering their needs as well. And also to keep that framework in mind around 
the you know attributes of a well-resolved design there's a neat little checklist there for you to interrogate your own work to make sure that it's heading in the right direction so as always thank you for joining me i hope that you find these episodes useful and helpful and uh, contributing to expanding and deepening your practice in human centered design it's always a pleasure to connect back with the community which by the way you can access by going to thishuman.com there's a beautiful community that's developing there around the book this human and and just this way of practicing i guess in the world so if you're interested go over there and follow the links to this human community it's based on a mighty network so it's a private community and yeah there's all sorts of interesting people there talking about interesting things so do that and if um, you're interested in exploring working with me one-on-one you can go and um, book a you know 15-minute chat to explore whether or not it's for you and you can do that at melissasanova.com all right thanks again and i'll be with you next week see ya